Welcome to Unity of Tucson. I want to start with a question today. Um, it is rhetorical, as most of my questions are. <laughs> and it's not, meant, it's not meant that you shouldn't answer it. All I'm saying is that you should consider it and open yourself up to an awareness of what comes up for you when I ask the question. Um, so the question is this. How do you perceive life? How do you perceive life? Not a, I mean, you know, it's not a little question. I mean, that's a big question, right? How do you perceive life? I start with that today because fundamental to this teaching, to, this, to, to the principles of unity and to, to the new thought path, what we teach is how you perceive is how you become. What you perceive is what you become. How you perceive is how you become. How you perceive is how you show up. So how do you perceive life? Do you see it and understand it and perceive it as fundamentally something that is safe or something else? Because whatever that perception is, that is how your life will show up for you. The circumstances of our experience, that stuff out there, the circumstances of our experience, as I say, every single week. I hope, you're get, I hope, I hope we'll all get it someday. <laughs> the circumstances of our experience are a reflection of our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings, and the interplay of those things. That's Unity 101. Everything that shows up in our world is a reflection of that which is within. So this month, as Sandy uh, reminded us, this month our theme is the power of power. Which sounds weird, doesn't it? Yeah, it's like the power of power. Well, what does that mean? Well, I think one of the things is that we should remind ourselves that although the, the title of the book is the, the 12 powers of man and women and humanity, um, the 12, I, just, I just always say the 12 powers, that is the title of the book. The powers can perhaps be better understood as aspects or abilities that we have. So we have the ability to demonstrate and show up as infinite power because it is fundamentally who we are. That's the truth. We have the ability of power, not through force or coercion, but the capacity to stand firm and resolved in the truth of being. I love that you touched on doing and being today too, because there's more power in being than in doing. The doing is that force. Ah, I gotta make it work. Let go of that. Be fundamentally who you are, which is God, that greatness on demand, that divine creative energy that is the core of all creation. That is who you are. And when we understand that, when I, when I opened myself and I said, I'm at a place of choice here around whether or not I accept that concept. And the more I have accepted that concept, the greater my life experience has become. The quality of my life has become enhanced because I know who I am. And so I invite each and every one of you to deepen into the understanding of your truth, the truth of your being, that is standing resolved 
in the ability of power. But boy, do we have a tendency to look out there. Anyone ever do that? Look out there to find satisfaction. I'm sure none of us in this room. We never look out there for satisfaction. The only place satisfaction can truly be found is here. Right here. Right within. Right within our heart. Right within our mind. Emily Cady wrote this in Lessons in Truth. People are ever shifting from one thing to another, always hoping to find rest and satisfaction in some anticipated accomplishment or possession. Does that resonate with anyone? I see people that are getting their phones out. I've got to take a picture of that. We are ever shifting from one thing to another to find rest and satisfaction in some anticipated accomplishment or possession. We keep looking out there thinking we are going to derive our good from that which is out there, that we are going to derive our power from that which is out there. True satisfaction is not derived from anything out there, and our work is to find within the truth we seek. I think that Southern Baptist minister may be making an appearance today. I feel, I feel him coming. No, 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 no hellfire or brimstone because you are not a sinner. You are pure love. And our work is to find within the truth we seek. That's the truth. You are the perceiver and the perception. Think about that. You are both the perceiver and the perception. Perception. You are in control of every aspect of your life. Through what? Through your mind, through consciousness, through your heart, through love. That's the truth. And you are deciding, we are each and every one of us deciding in each moment what is right and good. We're constantly making decisions about what is right and good. So if we continue to shift from one thing to another, looking, oh, I got, maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe that'll be it. Let that go. Take a breath and remember who you are. Just stop. I know I talk about, I've talked about it, and I think I've even talked about it up here. That, that mad TV sketch with Bob Newhart, does anyone know what I'm talking about? Yeah, so, it, so now I have to explain it. So Bob Newhart plays a therapist or a psychiatrist, you know, as Bob Newhart does. And then I'm starting to think there are going to be young people out here who have no idea who Bob Newhart is. <laughs> brilliant, by the way. He, he was a brilliant, brilliant man. Anyway, um, so in his very Bob Newhart way, uh, he has a patient come into his office, and the patient comes up and, and, and he says, I just need you to know, I will charge you for $5 for the first five minutes and nothing after that. And the patient is going, oh, what? He says, because I guarantee you, I can heal you in that five minutes. And she, with disbelief in her eyes, oh, okay. And he says, so tell me about what it is that uh, is troubling you today. And she says, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you two words. I don't think you're going to need to write them down, but I'm going to tell you two words. 
Stop it. <laughs> the sketch goes on for another five minutes. It's hilarious. Look it up. It's on YouTube. Um, but we should, we should all stop it sometimes, right? Like, it's actually, it's kind of, it, it's funny. It's funny because it's true. We should stop it. We need to stop our thoughts when we have them, not go, oh, look at that thought. Oh, no, I'm getting depressed, and I'm getting more depressed, and I'm getting more depressed, and my life sucks. We have to stop it when we recognize it. That's opening ourselves up to the awareness so that we stop putting the trust in the form and allow ourselves to put trust and faith in the beingness that we are. That beingness is tied into the only thing I think that God is, and that is pure love. You know, we talk about God as the creative principle. We talk about God in all of these varied ways. But if we really distill it down, I believe, I believe, you get to decide what you believe, but I believe that God is pure love. And what better day to talk about pure love than on Mother's Day? Mother's Day. Oh. I, have an, I have an interesting relationship to Mother's Day, I will tell you. Um, now, there is someone who is in our community that is my mother. Right? <laughs> yes. I did reach out and I said, I just want you to know I'm going to talk a little bit about you today. And she said it was fine. I told her what I was going to say. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is, you know, because we joke when she comes up here, we joke how you cannot mistake us. We look alike. You cannot mistake us for being mother and son. Um, but most people here don't know the story about our relationship. And that is that I grew up apart from her, that when I was, when I was an infant, um, we were separated. I'm not going to go into the details about what that was or anything. And I grew up apart from her. And I was raised by my father, who was also here. <laughs> now, I adopted mother figures in my life. I adopted many mother figures in my life, and one of them was very dominant. And so sometimes I will talk about my mother, and then people get confused because they say, well, you know, my mother passed away in 2014, and they're like, but she's here every Sunday. No. <laughs> that was my adopted mother. So I have an interesting relationship to mothers. And one of the things that happened when I was, when I was growing up, uh, maybe that's what growing up is, I was growing up. When I was growing up, you know, schoolmates have interesting concepts, and when they would find out that I didn't have a mother, I'm like, well, I do have a mother, but that I didn't know my mother. You didn't, you don't have a mother? They'd be like, well, 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 don't you miss her? And with all due respect, I didn't miss something that I didn't realize I could miss. I didn't know anything other than the way my life was. And so that confused a lot of people because their concept was, if my mother were taken away from me, I would miss her. But I was, such an, I was so young that I didn't have a construct in my mind for me to miss my mother. Now, often I would hear this, oh, you poor thing. It was sympathy. Sympathy is a challenging thing. It's not always helpful. Unconditional love, compassion, 
That is helpful. But sympathy is us getting down into the hole of feeling, of like, oh, I can be there and I can be sympathize with you. That doesn't actually help heal anyone. That type of phrase is an unconscious, innocent malpractice. It's an unconscious but innocent malpractice. Sympathy is that. What do I mean by that? Malpractice is an erroneous use of thought. That's what we teach in the New Thought Movement. The, the error thoughts that we carry and express in our lives, that's malpractice. We cannot commit malpractice against anyone else because unless somebody is willing to take it upon themselves, we cannot affect anyone else. So malpractice ultimately has everything to do with us. Erroneous use of thought. It's innocent, so it is not intended to cause harm, right? Nobody's ever, nobody is sitting there saying, oh, you poor thing, intending to cause harm. They're looking to, in some way, support you. So malpractice, error use of thought, innocent, not intended to harm, unconscious below the level of awareness. What is happening below the level of awareness that is innocent malpractice in our lives? It's something to think about. It's something to think about. Do you know how you find out what that is? Look at the construct that flows forth into your expression and experience of life. That will give you the clue. You know, it is perfectly natural to want to protect, to want to protect, right? Oh, you poor thing, I want to protect you. But at what cost does that construct of protection come? Because oftentimes what that does is it establishes fear. The degree to which I have accepted, and I haven't, just I'm using it as an example, the degree to which I have accepted fear in my life is the way my life will now unfold. We have nothing to fear at all. People have a hard time hearing that sometimes. But we have nothing to fear when our perception of love is the core of our beingness. Then what have we to fear? It goes along the lines of last week. We have nothing to forgive when we understand who we are. Understanding is the thing that eliminates forgiveness. Understanding is the thing that eliminates fear. Understanding the core of our being is the thing that says, yes, I am the embodiment and expression of love. When our perception is on fear, then the, 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 the tacit response is we create experiences to be feared because everything is a reflection of that which is happening within. Now, actually, perhaps a better way to consider it is there are things that are happening in life. Anyone disagree with that? There are things that are happening in the world. When we reflect upon those things based on our consciousness, we create those things in the image of our consciousness. That is, when we find fear within ourselves, any experience out there becomes something to be feared. Any experience. In bringing the perception to the experience, we have that experience. But it's all starting with our perception. Now, the resolution, and I, will, I, will, I want to acknowledge the resolution, uh, three years ago, about three years ago, Lynn reached out to me, my mother, and she said, I want to come to your church service. You went to the concert first, that's right. But you did reach out and said, I want to come to the church service. 
And so she came that Sunday, and she's been coming back ever since. And we've, we're developing our relationship. Yeah. We are developing our relationship, and what I want you to know, it is never too late to express unconditional love to anyone in your life. The world right now, it's, it would be very easy for us to fall into the trap of observing the world with a consciousness of fear and seeing everything reflected out there as the result of that fear. Our inner construct of fear supports the creation of the experiences that equal that fear. And the more we do that, the more we normalize that frame of mind. What fear-based ideas might we have incorporated into our experience as normal? And we don't question them anymore. You are the mother to your mind. Nurture the mind. Nurture the mind in the same way that you would nurture a child. We do not need to be relegated to living in fearful desperation. And the antidote to that, the antidote to the poison of fear, is love. Pure love. You can establish something new. Each and every one of us can establish something new, rooted in love, and that is the ultimate power. That is the ultimate power. We can lead with love or we can follow in fear. Which choice are you making today? What if we began to understand the constructs of this world through the lens of love only? And I guarantee you, I know for many of us, that is a very high calling to be able to look and see what's happening in this world and see it through the eyes of pure love. What I think we would find, and, and what I think we would find, and, I, and, and I'm not denying that this can be challenging for people, but what I think we will find is that every act is an act of love, whether we think it is or not. What if we actively seek the God essence at the core of conflict? What comes up for you in that? What is, the, what is the blind spot that perhaps you put up to that idea? To seek the God essence at the core of conflict because I'll tell you what comes up immediately for me is I'm having trouble seeing the God essence at the core of the conflict in Ukraine. I'm having trouble. And you know what? That's okay. Anyone else having trouble? It's okay. Keep trying. Keep trying. Do not let the circumstances of the world dictate to you how you are and what you can be in expression in this world. Actively seek the God essence at the core of all expression, whether it is expressed through conflict or resolution. It is all one thing, one light, one life. The expression of pure love, because that's all God is. We utilize that love. Each and every one of us have magnificent choice. We utilize that love in ways that can become challenging and lead to conflict. But we can decide right here, each and every one of us, to let go of that and step into the power 
of love, the aspect of love, the ability of love and to love? What if we seek the God essence at the core of conflict and not, 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 not going into denial about what's happening, but denying the idea that that has any power because we are the power. We are all capable, each and every one of us is capable of changing the world. We have to open our eyes up to that understanding and live it. Just like a mother's love, we can move through life with pure love that is unconditional. It's tall order. It's a tall order. But I know that we are worthy of living our lives from that point of view. We are worthy of it. And when we find that value within, we experience the expression of that value in our lives. Pure love being unconditional means that it is not reliant on the form. The form doesn't need to change for me to understand and change my own mind about the form. But you know what happens when, when I change my mind about the form? The form changes. It coalesces itself into that which is equal to my mind and my consciousness. And we can collectively in this room set the tone of pure love so resolutely, <sighs> we could end that conflict right in this moment if we decided collectively. We have the power in this room right here. Do you believe that? Oh, that was very resounding, wasn't it? <laughs> no shame. But just be aware of where we are. That's it. Open up to an awareness because it is in awareness that we get to make decisions. So just like the creative essence of love, God itself does not rely on any conditions because conditions are the construct and the outflow of God. So our work is to see rightly. That is our work. One of my favorite passages from scripture is this one. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. What does that mean? It means when I see rightly, when I see the world through the lens of love, then everything in my world is a reflection of love. That's what that means. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. The lamp puts out the light, right? The eye is the lamp of the body. So if our eye is healthy, if it is rooted in love, and the whole body, the entire expression, will be full of light. It is full of love. We are all capable, when we see rightly, conditions change. Katie said, if you turn your thoughts away from the external toward the spiritual, all appearance, and it, she's talking about appearance here, right? All appearance of evil will drop out of your thoughts and then out of your life. To see differently, turn it around. Turn around our thoughts, turn around our beliefs, turn around our feelings to that which is in alignment with love only, just like a mother's love, pure and unconditional. You have the power to change it all. So consider 
as we close this message here today, consider this idea, that instead of viewing the world in this manner, because this will probably resonate, every rose has its thorn. (laughs) Maybe consider that every thorn has its rose. You are magnificent blessings of light, and I am deeply grateful to each and every one of you. Namaste. So the homework is, of course, to see the world through new eyes this week. To be re- what? <laughs> and Mary's going to talk all about it next week. <laughs> Look at the world through new eyes. Be resolute in your decision to see rightly this week. Whatever that means for you, because here's the other thing. My right does not need to be equal to your right. But if we are all rooted in pure love, then I think what we will find is where we connect. So be resolute in your decision to see rightly. Start with what you can see differently, because maybe Ukraine's a tall order right now. So start right where you are. See what you can see differently and expand to what you perceive to be more challenging. Let yourself build up that mental muscle to see rightly. There's a caveat. Do not Go into spiritual bypass. Do not deny that conditions exist. The conditions exist, but deny that they have any power over who you are. That's the homework. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.